there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, Dr. Bichar, ready for some more advanced medicine together with you. But uh, we got to catch up a little bit. Last week I was out in Arizona, and I told you that I might be connecting with Sheriff Richard Mack. And you, you put in a request, did you not? I did. I did. He's one of my heroes. And, uh, you know, my dad's my hero. Tarzan's my hero. Sheriff Mack's my hero. Of course, Robert, you're also my hero. <laughs> oh, that's too kind, too kind. Well, you had asked... If you could, if I could get Sheriff Mack to sign a copy of the County Sheriff America's Last Hope, his uh, original book that lit a firestorm, uh, you know, of, of uh, awareness of the Tenth Amendment and the power of the County Sheriff as the constitutional authority ultimately that supersedes even the federal government when they violate, um, you know, the Constitution itself. And so, yes, I, I got to see Sheriff Mack, and it's interesting because this guy—I don't know if you know—he went through this many months ago now. What they call the Widowmaker. A severe, I mean, you know, you know, an intense heart attack they, that they call the Widowmaker? It's like 100% blockage. I have, right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so he went through one of those, but apparently he wasn't done being here. You know, he's one of those tenacious warriors that say, you know, I got to find my way back. But we talked about the fact that these constitutional warriors often neglect their own constitution. They're out there trying to, you know, battle for liberty and they neglect their own body. And the health of the body, they eat anything, they're going around everywhere, they're traveling, they just give in all kinds of food and they don't say no. And it, ultimately, you can't continue to do that and burn out your adrenals simultaneously and expect that the heart's going to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's very, very important for people that are in that particular role that they pay specific attention to their own constitution and do things that are necessary to benefit their own systems because they're being under they're actually under greater stress. And so their right. need, their requirement is actually greater than that of the average individual to make sure that they're doing the things that are right for their body, the nutrition, the exercise, the relaxation, all that stuff, the water consumption, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I find the body types of these people like Sheriff Mack, my good buddy Michael Badnorik, and you as well, Dr. Batar, you have very strong constitutions overall. I mean, you can walk through walls almost literally, you know, the strength that you carry because you're here to do something so very important. Yet at the same time, the neglect of that over time can be a disaster for that body that carries you through on your mission. And I talked to Sheriff Mack about that, and he acknowledged that. And he said he's under the care initially of a cardiologist, but then he went to a naturopathic cardiologist in Arizona who pulled him off all of the drugs, all of the statins, everything, and got him on a real good regimen. I only, when he talked to me about it, I only said, you know, one or two things I would tweak a little, but overall he's on a very good strategy for recovery. He looked great. His skin looked great. And I'm not saying, you know, you're out of the woods there, but you can regenerate and you can live to 120 if you start living differently from that point. Absolutely. That's what I've said for a long time, that the current technology exists, that anybody who has the desire and the wherewithal and is willing to do what's necessary, there is no reason for us not to be able to live to 120 years of age. And I'm talking about chronological age. I'm not talking about physiological age. Mm -hmm. Relatively speaking, I'm talking about actually 120 chronological years. Yeah. So, you know, I asked, I, I, when I first saw him, I said, hey, my buddy Dr. Batar is on with me every Monday. 
he had a request. He said, you know, he wants a, a, an autographed copy of your book. And then, you know, I forgot about it. We did the show together. Uh, you know, we did a lot of topics, a lot of different discussions and things. And then at the end of the show, uh, he says, all right, let me sign this uh, book for you. Right. And he says, how do you want me to do it? And I said, put uh, to Robert Scott. No, no, no. You said your buddy. How do you spell his last name? But I was like, dang, damn it. He remembered. So <laughs> I just just <laughs> wanted to say I, I tried to pull a fast one on him to give it to me instead of you. But no, he remembered. He said, no, 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 your, your buddy, Dr. Batar. So uh, he wrote it to you well, and uh, I have it here. That's very kind of him. It's very kind of you because you could have like. You know, not even said anything about it. So you actually got the book for me. I appreciate that, Robert. No, I'm just such Besides a heel. I tried to trick him, so I would do. I would get it, not you. That was so bad of me. No, no, no. He was. He was great. He's like. Um, he was thrilled to hear about it. He did give me his new book. It's called "Are You a David?" You know, the concept of a David and Goliath. And uh, it's a thicker book, bigger book, trying to inspire these sheriffs that are still you know, fearing the federal government or still just accepting all the money because they don't want to do without the money that's coming from the feds instead of standing up and telling them to pound sand. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, the first time I heard that the sheriff actually has the ultimate power within that county greater than anybody else. And I guess this comes back from the original English law. Um, the sheriff of Nottingham, remember, from uh, Robin Hood? Yep. Right? When the sheriff is bad, it can be really bad. But if the sheriff is good, I mean, it can be a tremendous uh, benefit and protection for the people from a uh, strong centralized bureaucracy. Exactly, exactly. And I was pretty, uh, pretty surprised to learn that. And then, of course, that all these sheriffs are giving up their power uh, to the federal jurisdiction was also amazing. And I, I think that Sheriff Max made a pretty big difference for some people out there, as far as some sheriffs that have actually. Uh, been able to regain their power and understand the the necessity for their for themselves to maintain their autonomy. So, hopefully, the message is uh, being picked up by more and more. Yeah, and he has a little booklet called "The Victory for State Sovereignty," and it basically is the the Mac versus Mac Prince versus USA, the court case that took it to the Supreme Court and they won, and they kind of reactivated the Tenth Amendment. Uh, since then, and my good friends uh, Michael Bolden and the crew at the Tenth Amendment Center are doing their level best to reawaken the states and the people about the power of the Tenth Amendment. When those powers are not enumerated specifically granted to the federal government, they belong to the states or the people respectively. We always bring up the issue of cannabis, how 23, 24 states in the District of Columbia now have decriminalized or fully legalized, and yet the federal government has not changed its status of abolition, if you will, or prohibition, and they've not taken it out of its Schedule One context. So there's a lot of reasons why this is a nonviolent, powerful approach to withdraw consent from the feds, bring it back home where it belongs on a, a more local level. Yeah, and, and I'm glad more and more people are realizing um, this this nonviolent tactic. That's the way to, to abstain and to, uh, what's the term that you use? Um, um, withdraw consent. Yeah, withdraw consent, but there's another term that you've used before, not conscientious uh, objection, but... Um, oh, civil disobedience is another civil thing that's often right. often recognized, yes. And, and, you know, this is this is something that uh, it takes courage, in a sense, because people are afraid, well, what if, what if, what if? What if I don't take money from the federal government? What if I give up the benefit? That's part of the fear. The other fear is, what if I stand up to Goliath, right? And what did David do with a, a, a little rock and a slingshot? You know, or something along those lines against this beast. 
And, you know, when you go with God, right, you understand that the spirit is with you. You're, you're, you're utilizing your very being for the right reasons. You're not using power over another for illicit gotten gain, so to speak. You're defending liberty. I think that is our birthright to do. And so I think you're going with God when you do this. I totally agree with you. And I think that when we are spiritually, spiritually aligned, things just magically seem to occur. Doors open up, you know, oceans part, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yesterday we had uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson. He's the paleocardiologist guy out in Arizona who spoke out very vocally and directly against vaccines, saying that there are no safety studies. The efficacy is, is absolutely not what they claim it to be. And, of course, he was pilloried on CNN and by the media. Thirty eight complaints against his license in Arizona, none from his patients. He hired our good friend Jonathan Emord to help defend him. Went into that uh, hearing, and they, four to one, voted to just exonerate him, say, listen, this is the First Amendment. You can't pull a guy's license because he speaks his mind. And so it was a, a score one for the good guys standing up to the bullies. That's awesome. It's fantastic. That's really good. I've known Jonathan Emore in a long time, so I need to catch up with him, too. Yeah. Well, knowing what you've been through, I wish it were just as easy as that. You know, a quick, quick little jaunt, because what you went through, those of you who don't know, you can read about uh, Dr. Batar's history or hear about the archives. We've, we've been discussing this for many years. You can go to medicalrewind.com, hundreds and hundreds of hours to listen to, to catch up, as well as, of course, our friend at Natural News, Natural News Radio, and right here at GCN, our syndicator. Um, we talk about authoritarians and oligarchs, the bureaucratic oligarchy. There's also evidently an academic oligarchy that's ruling or controlling the peer-reviewed literature. It's interesting. There's a Natural News article here about it, that the majority of science publishing is controlled by just six companies. Yeah, and they basically have a monopoly on creating the illusion that we call science, uh, that we refer to as science. And this comes back to that same term that we've talked about before, Robert, a couple of times now in the last few months, and that is uh, he who controls the narrative controls the history. And so they, by, by definition, since they control the mechanism of disseminating this information that the double-blind placebo-controlled crossover multi-centered trials that they call evidence-based medicine, which is anything but evidence-based, yeah. uh, they can perpetuate any myth that they want. Yeah. And, so, you know, if you, if you look at the, for instance, the fact that vaccines have been brought to market with no <laughs> no peer well i don't even know if there's peer review there but certainly there's there's no double blind controlled studies at all it, it is really they're relying on anecdote for them to say in the 20th century they brought vaccines out and disease was eradicated it's not based on their gold standard of medicine or science and when you point that out they start kind of putting their fingers in their ears and yelling and screaming at you yeah that's exactly right it's like a spoiled brat that that uh, can't handle uh, the, the truth of the discipline, and so it just starts to rant and rave. Um, you know, it's it's um, if you look at any type of uh, argument, though, when there's any type of a discussion or debate or argument between two parties, you can always tell which one holds the higher ground, which one actually has the truth behind them, based upon the their actions and the actions of the opponent. And the belligerent, loud, obnoxious, uh, rule-breaking uh, side always is the one that really doesn't have any ground to stand on, and they have nothing else but loud voice and and uh, foul language and uh, boisterousness and all those obnoxious qualities mm -hmm. to rely on because they don't have the truth to rely on. Those that have the truth to rely on, they don't need any of the rest of the 
the antics. Yeah, I remember all so well, uh, you know, after 9-11, the whole uh, fear of the new infectious diseases that would be bioterror weapons, and we countered it with some homeopathy, and I had to go on the news to counter the whiny Emory University professor who couldn't understand how homeopathy could be utilized for anything. But no discussion of high ground, established science, cause and effect. No, that can't be done. We just got to yell at the people we disagree with. Well, not here. We do some yelling, but it's for fun. Uh, right now, Dr. Batar is on its advanced medicine, medicalrewind.com. Check it out for all the archives. We've got some antibiotic myths to dispel, as well as devastating impacts. Could it be causing juvenile arthritis? Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. Get yourself out of something like your house. I, I, I came back from this trip uh, from Arizona, and I had only been in the new place for like 10 days, 11 days. And so I'm coming back. I'm having to think out loud. Which Where do I go? What, do I turn left here? Do I, I You know, because your habits are set. You know, in a way you come back from trips, you just finally go someplace. So I was having to be very conscious about it. Came back in a blinding storm. Uh, made it, but uh, then, you know, went out to, I don't know, take the trash out, got back. I was like, oh, I'd locked myself out of the house. Fortunately, there was somebody in there <laughs> to let me in because the, the way the locks work, it's different. All these things you got to relearn. It's kind of interesting. Did, Dr. Batar, are you safely in your house or are you locked out of your house? No, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm inside. I'm outside, but I'm, I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the stories that I can tell of all the silly things that happened to me in the new place because it's just like all of your routines are just gone you you have to establish them anew and so basic things you're like oh yeah i had to think about that before i hadn't for years so there you go uh anyway from the academic oligarchy to antibiotics and the relationship to disease not curing disease but maybe creating disease and there's a story here uh, about antibiotics it's on futurity i don't know what the site is but it says do antibiotics raise risk of juvenile arthritis. Are they talking about type 1 diabetes here? Or no, I'm sorry, arthritis, a form of arthritis that's autoimmune. I'm, uh, that's where I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis actually has been distinguished from the other types of rheumatoid and osteoarthritis. And actually, you probably remember the story about Morgan, the book, and uh, in the Ninth Step book. And she was a uh, young girl that had come to me, she was six years old at the time when her father brought her to me, and she had a diagnosis of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And this mm-hmm. article talking about the antibiotics can they contribute to juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. The, the issue is actually comes back to a more fundamental issue, which you've talked about, talked about extensively on the show, and that is essentially the terrain issue. So the antibiotics definitely alter the terrain. They create an imbalance, and due to that imbalance that's been created, the train being, uh, the balance essentially being thrown off. To think of a forest, you, know, you come in there, you get rid of one particular species, whether you get rid of the rabbits or the deer or the wolf or whatever, right. you do something, and it throws off the entire balance of that just perfectly uh, balanced yet delicate ecosystem. As soon as we go in as man and ruin that, change it, mm. disrupt it, then everything falls to the wayside, and this is the same thing that occurs 
with antibiotics in the gut, and that I believe is the um, the trigger that causes juvenile rheumatoid arthritis to eventually set in. In other words, it's not causing juvenile rheumatoid arthritis directly, but the imbalance and the consequences of that imbalance over a chronic period of time right. with certain other genetic predispositions then leads to juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And that was exactly the case in, in Morgan. And by reestablishing the gut, getting rid of the heavy metals, we were able to recreate uh, the balance that she was missing and we went back to a state where she only had about a 25 to 30 percent, uh, 25 to 30 degree range of motion in her uh, affected leg, and we were able to get that back up to uh, 95 to almost 100 nice. degree range of motion. So, but, now we've we've talked about the uh, vaccines triggering autoimmunity, and I also lecture on the issue of the antibiotics damage to the gut in addition to vaccines. But uh, triggering autoimmunity is something that's uh, you know a little bit more. Uh, well, it's different than gout when you have an overinflammation due to excess uric acid, you know, metabolic waste versus what's happening here when you're destroying the gut and altering the metabolism of so many things and so many functions in the body. Yeah, uh, and, you know, the, the autoimmune issue, we have to remember, we, we tend to forget really what that word means. So you've got an immune system, and the immune system is supposed to be functioning. Well, the immune system, if it's hyperfunctioning, is also, uh, often called as a... Uh, autoimmune condition, but it's a hyper-responsive immune system. A hypo-responsive or under-responsive immune system would be what we see in diabetics and transplant patients and cancer patients, but a hyper-immune response is what you would see in a allergy situation, sometimes right. in like scleroderma and, um, and other types of conditions, uh, systemic lupus, etc. So there, there's this hyper-immune response and a hypo-immune response. That's one reason you remember the three foundations of health in, in my ninth step to keep the doctor away book. I talk specifically about immune modulation. Immune modulation, yeah, not hyper-stimulation or even suppression. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion on antibiotics. There's more related to the myths associated with them, maybe a little more discussion of the autoimmunity manifestation, and then maybe get into leaky gut as well. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Edition, MedicalRewind.com for the archives, easy access for Dr. Rashid Bittar. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell. Bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Well, it helps when you have a big guy like Dr. Batar at your side. The nine steps to keep the doctor away, the international bestseller, will bring that power to heal back to you where it belongs. We're talking about modulating immunity, Dr. Batar. How about modulating your friend Ty Bollinger? <laughs> he, he, he flexed his big old biceps in a picture. Everybody was seen in that picture that you were in, except for you, because... He just covered you up with his biceps. I don't know if you knew he what he was doing, but that picture was hilarious last week. Yeah, he was he was going around posing, doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, I just I figured, okay, well, he can he can do that. He's <laughs> that show off, right? That was we were having it, a good time. Oh my gosh, yeah, I talked to you guys uh, before. Uh, I, I think you had to take off before we did the show that night. It was last uh, outside the box Wednesday. Uh, but it sounds like you've got great, great stuff coming out in the next uh, international or global edition of the Quest for the Cures continues. 
Yeah, actually, we've got that. There was a couple other things that we were doing. So, but yeah, that 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 was a good interview. We we actually did like three different things that we needed to get done, and uh, three different interviews. So it was uh, it was really good. Excellent, excellent. Now, on the modulating of immunity again, I want to make sure we don't rush over it, even though we've done other shows on the issue. Uh, there is a distinct difference between, um, let's say, stimulating and provoking the immune system, uh, which can be very bad, especially when we talk about the issue of vaccines and their adjuvants to do that. And there's a, a difference from suppressing the immune system with chemo drugs, for instance, where they often use on people with rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune diseases. The concept of modulation, I wish it were in the normal vernacular, if you will, of, of, of all medicine and all doctors, but I, I think it's lost on some. Yeah, I think it is because our thought processes, uh, when I say our thought process, I mean the medical thought process is always that we have to go in there and we're smarter than what the body is and we are in, the body needs us to dictate the direction in which way we're going to go, what, whatever it is, whether it's using a calcium channel blocker to block the calcium channels, or the beta blockers, or the ACE inhibitors, or, uh, or whatever it is, you know, we increase the immune system, decrease the immune system. And it's a really, really, um, absurd thought process if you think about it mm-hmm. when the body has over a hundred thousand reactions taking place in each cell per second and to think that we as humans can actually regulate and understand the consequences of disrupting one or two or five of those reactions and what's going to happen downstream um, it's extremely presumptuous and arrogant on our part to start to muck around with the system and it's not just in the immune system it's in every aspect of the body and that's one reason that pharmaceutical intervention by definition will always fail because it is making an assumption of how we need the body to respond without taking into consideration the most important aspect which is physiology which is how the creator designed the system to work perfect example would be uh, diarrhea. Somebody gets diarrhea. Every drug on the market is designed to stop diarrhea. Why are we stopping diarrhea mm-hmm. when the system was designed that when something goes into it that it causes irritation, that you expel it? That's the whole purpose of diarrhea. And if that's not enough, then we start vomiting. Well, it's the right. it's a the physiological uh, design for us to purge our system when there's something that's offensive in there. But what do we do? We instead give anti nausea medication, antiemetics. We give um, you know, anti-diarrheal medication, and we stop that process. And now something that would have taken a day or two to clear through our system now will take seven to ten days, and so we're six, seven to ten days instead of one or two days. Right. And, and we can give example after example after example of this. So it's not just the immune system. I'm just, I just went off on my own. No, well, uh, like, it's every but, system. I mean, it, it's acknowledging the, uh, as chiropractors are, are calling, the innate intelligence, that concept of life force or homeopaths we call a vital force. That's way more intelligent than any degree we could get. And to acknowledge that and work with it or get out of the way so it begins to work again, uh, yet, you know, Americans are convinced that they, if they go through the drive through and nothing happens to them after they eat that food, that they have an iron constitution instead of saying, hey, there's a metabolic problem. I don't have diarrhea. I should at least have diarrhea after eating that. Exactly, exactly. And, and the understanding and the, uh, and the awareness of how the body's going to respond based upon what we do to the body is a first step in in creating the right balance, meaning that we have to first recognize that there is a problem, and and you can't solve a problem unless you first recognize that there is a problem, and understanding that some of these things that we're taking into our systems, these triggers, um, that they are 
the beginning of the problem, or they are part and parcel of the problem. That's actually where the problem starts. You know, becoming aware of these things is Mm -hmm. a step in the right direction of regaining optimum health. Right. I was talking to my mom the other day, uh, just checking in after the trip, and she was coughing a bit on the phone, and I said, Mom, what have you been eating? She's like, oh, man, you you caught me. Yeah, because she she went off and probably was at a friend's or out with some friends and ate some things that she knows she shouldn't, and immediately her body is telling her, and she, she knew it, though. I mean, it's a gift to know it and not be mystified, then run to the doctor to be given a drug to suppress the symptom that the body is, is, has in order to detox the thing that you did wrong. She says, yep. yeah, I need to go back on my salads and the things I could, you know, the good, clean food. And, and then she's fine at 82 and dancing in, her, in the way the night. So it, it's an interesting thing. I had to fight in my young life to get back that awareness of a body that had been raised on drugs. Yeah, and this awareness that you're talking about, we all have it. Some people say, well, I don't understand. I, I don't have that awareness. We all have that awareness. We all have that intuitive guidance that tells us what we should and what we shouldn't be doing. It's that we, most of us will end up superseding it, um, or we don't trust it, or we think it's in our head, or, or we just don't give it enough emphasis. And we really need to start listening to our bodies because our bodies are telling us what we need to do. Right, and and maybe not listening to the doctors so much, although, you know, there are doctors that are conscious and aware. We're not talking, we never tell, talk ill about them, but they know who they are as opposed to the ones that we are talking about. This story coming off of uh, healthfinder.gov said antibiotic myths still common among parents. So this one's putting the, the onus on parents partially for demanding antibiotics when they're not appropriate, as we've talked about the doctors who are still prescribing them just to satiate the demand by the parents to get them to shut up and go away i would like that they prescribe a placebo antibiotic i think that would be a great idea but i don't know some people think that's unethical you know i think placebo is one of the most important things that we in medicine it's almost our ethical and fiduciary responsibility to harness the power of placebo i don't know why this negative connotation has been associated with placebos, but if you can elicit a response, a desired response in an individual without anything more than a sugar pill or or water, then Mm -hmm. why shouldn't we harness that power? It's the most absurd thing to um, minimize the effects of placebo. In fact, I wrote a paper that um, we we submitted, and in there we noticed the power of placebo, how how powerful the placebo uh, aspect was, Um, but it was a double-blind crossover so that the experimental group was crossed over, the control group was crossed over into the experimental group halfway in the study, and we saw that even though the control was affected by placebo, once they were crossed over into the experimental group, they had a marked improvement. And so that was an interesting observation, and those that would have said, well, you know, it's uh, very obvious that there was a strong placebo effect in the control group. My question, and what I wrote up in the conclusion, was that this observation is something that we should harness because we should Mm -hmm. see that people were able to even if they weren't better they thought they were better and the power of the mind is so phenomenal it whatever you believe is is nine-tenths of the law anyway that's what determines the outcome and so if we can convince people uh, that they're in a better state than they may be in and they, they feel better they look better they're able to perform better and then when you measure the objective parameters and they are better blood pressure is better whatever's better then why aren't we using this more uh, frequently? Sure. Well, what about this? You know, in this study, they said 80% of parents with private insurance uh, correctly answered uh, that antibiotics are not needed for colds or flu, right? They, they were aware of that. But the Medicaid patients, interestingly enough, these are the people dependent on government handouts. 
and I'm not making a judgment at this moment. That's not why I'm saying it. I'm just reading the study. It said only 44%, half of those that answered correctly, uh, half the number that answered correctly with that were privately insured that didn't know. And, and, you know, if a doctor can't explain that it's not appropriate in this case to give little Johnny an antibiotic, I, as I said, what would be the harm in saying, okay, here's a script and, and you get some, you know, organic uh, placebo pills? Yeah, well, the problem is, one is the doctors, two mm-hmm. is administrators, and three are the patients. So you've got doctors that don't understand this part, and they don't have the cojones to actually do what needs to be done. We just tell the patient, you don't need an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. You've got administrators that will come down and chew out the doctors. And, again, I'm, you know about the story about what I, sure. what I did with the hospital administrator, so I won't go into that story. But, <laughs> yes. um, but the it's administrators come down there. Their issue is patient satisfaction. They don't care whether you're practicing good medicine or bad medicine, whether they, they don't care about anything. They don't care if you cut off the wrong leg. As long as the right. patient is satisfied, that's all they care about. Little so Johnny's they, mommy came up here and complained to us, we exactly. can't have that, Dr. Batar. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. then the third thing is the patients, the, the people that you just described, the ones that are in the Medicare, and I know you're not making any type of judgment call, and, and neither am I, but the facts remain that people that feel that they are um, owed something, people that feel that it's it's their right to have access to something. They, they think that they're privileged, and they're not willing to do what's necessary to um, improve themselves. So they, no. they, they in other words, there what I'm is. saying is they're not going to be the ones that are going to be ridden, running on the treadmill getting that extra five minutes in to make sure that they push themselves. No, because they think, well, why, why do that? Because I can go, go get a bypass. They're going to pay for it. Right. I mean, the, the mentality is, is a very apathetic mentality. And it doesn't matter whether, how much money you have, whether you're poor or you're rich. It's the willingness to do what's necessary to get the desired outcome. And that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Sure, and it's not exclusive to those on Medicaid, but yes, no. the victim mentality, uh, the entitlement mentality. I don't need to do it. That's You've got to word. do it for me, doctor. Yeah, that's the word. The entitlement mentality. That's the yeah. right there. Exactly. So, uh, you know, in in breaking the hey, antibiotic myth, Robert, mm-hmm. not to cut you off, but it yeah. doesn't matter whether they're on Social Security, Medicare, any of that stuff. It can be a very wealthy family, and the right. son or the daughter has that entitlement thought process. You know, mm-hmm. they, they feel that they're entitled to that money. So it doesn't. It has nothing to do with w- whether somebody earned it or not. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic class you're in. It's that entitlement mentality that is right. the culprit. And it can happen anywhere in any family, uh, depending exactly. on how they're raised or whatever they've experienced prior to this. Uh, but anyway, great discussion here on the antibiotics. We've got one other uh, story that we're going to get into in the next segment that will wrap our discussion up. It goes into leaky gut, uh, which some doctors don't even acknowledge it being real. Still, still that happens. But usually they're 20, 30 years behind, uh, and they're behind is probably not running because they're constipated. Remember what I say about the doctors. Ask them how often they have a bowel movement. If they're offended, find another doctor. Uh, and if they're only going two to three times a week, yeah, find another doctor as well. They're constipated. You don't want to be there. All right, stick with me. Stick with Dr. Bittar. we got lots more healing to go on the Robert Scad Bell Show, medicalrewind.com for all the archives, as well as our syndicator, GCN, and naturalnewsradio.com. Back with Leaky Gut, or curing it after this. Who'd you say that masked man was? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. 
Please remember to say thank you to those who support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. And if you have not picked up one copy or ten, ten would even be better, of the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. That'll be the gift that keeps on giving in healing. Now, final story of the day, Dr. Bittar, from Time Magazine. What you should know about leaky gut syndrome. And I'm thinking they should write this and say what doctors should know, because as they're writing about this, they say it's a theory. The theory is, get this, that having a poor diet or ingesting too many antibiotics or painkillers can damage the mucosal barrier, the lining of the gut. I did not know that was a theory. I thought all doctors knew that already. Yeah, well, let's talk about some theories, Robert. Let's just, let's just spend a little bit of time over here, and let's talk about some theories. So the theory of fibromyalgia, which is now advertised on TV all the time for the new drugs. Well, you know what? Let's even forget about fibromyalgia. Let's talk about the theory of washing your hands before you actually go into surgery. Uh, when Dr. Semmelweis, who was actually ostracized by his own family, died penniless in an insane asylum because they said the medical hierarchy said that this guy's crazy because he believes in these things that may cause disease that, of course, mm-hmm. don't exist. Uh, that's why he was ridiculed and mm-hmm. ostracized and died in an insane asylum. But, of course, today we all know that before you go into surgery, of course you scrub, you, you wash your hands. Before you go in between patients, you wash your hands. In fact, the most important thing that you can do in order to prevent disease, a spread of disease, is washing your hands. But that was just a theory back then. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just absurd that they, they, you know, the, the, the garbage that they stand behind, that it's a theory, as mm-hmm. if that by saying that it's a theory that it hasn't been proven yet, you know, yeah. how many things have been theories and haven't been proven until after the people that proposed them were went through those three phases of the truth. First being ridiculed, then being mm. violently opposed, and then being always having been accepted that as being the truth. Copernicus, right. Galileo, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Rife, uh, Tesla, all these different people. And, and this, I'm just not even talking about just medicine. I'm just talking about science. I, I know. It's got you going because it upsets me as well. I mean, it's thought that a porous or leaky, as they do in, qu- in quotes, intestinal lining can allow food particles or germs to pass into the blood. It's thought? I mean, that's, that's what happens when you have a leaky gut. Come on, man. They're writing it like we don't want to commit to this leaky gut thing. Yeah, and of course they will commit to it when you know it's uh, it gets into that third phase of truth, and then they're going to always mm-hmm. have, accept it as if it's always been the truth. Well, we know that was the truth. Of course, it's intuitive. Everybody knew that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who, who didn't know that? Of course, we didn't advertise cigarettes as being good for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the evidence that having high intestinal permea- permeability is involved in the development of certain autoimmune diseases like uh, uh, Crohn's and type one diabetes in people who are already predisposed. Uh, for the conditions, so they have to throw in the There's genetic There's a huge thing. gamut of, of, yeah. of pathology here. I mean, people with mm-hmm. migraine uh, headaches, I have mm-hmm. treated people with migraine headaches that had delayed IgG-mediated food allergies, which essentially is a leaky gut that you can't get delayed IgG-mediated food allergies unless you have a leaky gut. Uh, I've taken care of you know everything from juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, as we mentioned earlier, to uh, various types of chronic problems, including fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and all sorts of other things, not just the autoimmune issues and the Crohn's and the ulcerative colitis, but there are many other subtle subclinical things that bother people, and when you start to get there, uh, help them to regain integrity of their gastrointestinal system, many, mm-hmm. if not all, of these problems start to dissipate and disappear. Yep, and they even have a throw, throw a bone to alternative medicine, but they kind of cut it down, of course, even though we know it's not alternative. But they say some alternative medicine practitioners recommend supplements or home tests, which they conveniently sell on their websites, but ignore these, according to Time Magazine. The best advice for keeping your gut and its lining healthy is to eat plenty of fiber 
and fermented foods like kefir or take a probiotic supplement and stay hydrated. That's their the best of their advice. And I'm not going to argue against some of those things, but I think it can be more complicated with some of these patients that have been devastated. But why are they giving that advice if it's just a theory? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question, too. I mean, you could, you could be saying that they're alternative medicine practitioners as well by even mentioning kefir, which is a but, you know fermented dairy product. Exactly. So what they've just suggested would only work if that theory was fact. I, I, I just so it's so full of schizophrenia this article. But Time Magazine used to be, you know, full on CIA rag. I mean, a propaganda uh, yeah. thing. But they they've lost, uh, you know, readership, of course. And I guess they kind of throw bones out there to other thought forms, or else no one's going to read their stuff ever again. Yeah, well, Medical Secrets Audio Series has a nice little segment from a Time Magazine person who's interviewing me and what what she ended up saying. It's the first segment of the Medical Secrets Audio Series that we give to people that want to subscribe for free. Excellent. Well, Dr. Batar, it's another fine medical rewind you've gotten me into. <laughs> Great discussion, my friend. Listen, I appreciate you, and uh, until next week, of course, we just got to tell the folks one last thing, and I'll have you do it. That the power to heal is yours. Yeah. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.